Hello, welcome to Blades Pod. My name is Ben. It's Monday, the 25th of February. Uh, coming up, I've got Jay, aka Blades Analytic. We are going to break down the West Brom game. Uh, obviously, a fantastic win for the Blades at the weekend. And of course, we are going to preview the Steel City derby as well coming up next week. Um, so, yeah, just to say thanks very much for listening, for subscribing, for downloading, following me on Twitter, etc. You know, went past 2,000 followers on the Blades Pod Twitter account the other day which uh kind of blows my mind to be honest so um yeah thanks to everyone for kind of i guess listening and interacting participating as always i really really appreciate it um uh oh yes i'm also going on football heaven on friday evening so um yeah i'm if, if you listened to it before the uh, previous Sheffield Derby. I was on with uh, a couple of people from the Sheffield Wednesday podcast. So, yeah, unfortunately, I have to share a room with some Wednesday fans, but I guess twice a year, it's not too bad. Um, but, yeah, so that's on uh, that's on Friday from 6pm, I believe, where, yeah, hopefully I will not say anything too stupid or jinx United too much, because uh, I've got quite a good feeling about this one. Anyway, enough rambling for now. Uh, well, here's some more rambling, but there's two of us instead. So, uh, yeah, thanks again for listening, and here we go. Well, so that was a pretty good weekend then for uh, for United. I mean, I guess it could have gone better. We could have had uh, Norwich and, and Leeds slip up, I suppose. But, mate, what a win. We went to West Brom. We went to a top six team, a team that are just below us in the league, in fourth position at that point, and got a deserved win. I, I couldn't be happier. I mean, a few weeks ago, I was absolutely buzzing when we beat Middlesbrough at home, and I was like... That's our best win of the season. Don't think that was a particularly hot take at the time, but you know some people maybe wouldn't have agreed with that. Maybe say the Aston Villa game at home. But I think you'd be hard-pushed to say that going to West Brom and winning is not our best result of the season. It was just a, a great defensive performance. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just you have to start to believe, I think, don't you, that, that the top two is very possible. What do you reckon? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I think you've got the... Uh... You've got the start, haven't you? I'm going to give you the glory here about how many, how long it is, and how many teams have tried and failed to keep West Brom out. Yeah, so I, I can't claim total credit for this. In fact, I'm not sure exactly where I've seen it. But I've seen it bandied about a lot, but a lot. But it's uh, we're the first team to stop West Brom scoring at home this season, and it's actually the first time since December 2017 wow. that they've not scored a goal in a home league match, and that includes obviously their time in the Premier League. It includes teams like Arsenal and Liverpool. They, they, uh, yeah, they couldn't keep West Brom out, but uh, our makeshift defence of yeah. players lined up in all sorts of weird, unfamiliar positions held West Brom to pretty much nothing across the entire ninety-four minutes. I think it's fair. Um, I mean, you know, you, you look at the stats for the game. Uh, I think West Brom had eighteen shots to our seven, but I mean that. That did not feel like a game in which the opposition had 18 shots whatsoever. And uh, no. I, I don't know what your model had it as, but InfoGoals XG had it at about 0.94 plays 0.63. So we held the yeah. basically the uh, I think the highest scoring team in the league, or one of the highest scoring teams in the league. We held them to less than one expected goal, um, and yeah, we did so with relative ease. I think in terms of uh, I mean, obviously we had to work hard for it, but yeah, we. I guess one of the things that you called out when we spoke last was that United were going to have to deal with some pressure. Like they were going to, we were going to be under the cosh in this game. There was going to be a spell yeah. where West Brom were on top and they had a lot of the ball, and you know it's coming into our box, and you know we're clearing it, but we're not regaining possession from that. And that definitely happened. 
but we did it so so well i thought you know there's that period where holgate's just sort of wanging in cross after cross and we were just mopping it up and yeah they they basically had you know no real chances in the whole game apart from right at the end where uh ender stevens made his his only misjudgment of the entire game and uh, <laughs> accidentally flicked it onto dwight gale but henderson came out and made a, a very good save from it but yeah i mean you've got to be happy with uh with that defensive performance, I think. Over the moon. I mean, just, I would have been over the moon if that was our our first team back three and five, if you will. Mm. But I was even more over the moon because of who it was who actually ended up playing the game. Yeah. Um, you know, you cannot comprehend how good Jay Rodriguez, Dwight Gale, Jacob Murphy, I mean, Matt Phillips was injured, but, you know, started for the first 60 or minute. You can't comprehend how good they are at this level. Mm. Uh, and to keep them, them out to stop I mean because it wasn't that we technically stopped the supply line I think West Brom did lack a little bit of quality and didn't quite have a final ball but there was enough balls going in the box yeah it was just, a, was just firing him in. he was yeah and, and if anything you know sometimes you're thinking oh get tighter stop that cross because you know what's coming in a minute don't you you know and he just didn't and, until he handballed it in the net you know it just <laughs> it, it just didn't I mean the, the big moment I've got to say if you track the data of the game it's really it, it's an argument for those against XG actually in the sense that I watched it from a non-data perspective and I thought we controlled it. Mm. I have to be honest. I thought we allowed the pressure to come onto us because we were comfortable in that low block. Mm-hmm. We were comfortable with people in behind the ball and actually we looked the more threatening side on the counter-attack. Yeah, definitely. I thought there's a few times where Medine, I mean, McGoldrick in the first half certainly could have had better decision-making. Medine and, and Sharp, by the way, them two look for each other every single time they're on the pitch. It's brilliant to see. Yeah. They, they've, they really look on, a, on the same page, but there was a couple of times they laid each other off and it was just not quite right. And that won't register on an XG chart, but if we would have got in, we were we were in, in a one-on-one. So I thought we looked threatening. But the, the data of the game, actually, Sheffield United controlled the game from the 15 minute on the XG chart all the way up until about the 65th, 70 minute when West Brom bought Montero and had a couple of chances. But it was really nothing in it until that last ditch chance. Yeah. And actually, that was that was the highest rated chance of the game. Yes, indeed. That Gale missed. So that, that goes to show, I mean, I, I gave, not pelters, but I gave Henderson rightful criticism after the Villa game. We've also backed him up on this pod. You have to back him up there. That's a massive moment. That's it, a huge moment for that young man and for us. It was great goalkeeping because he had very little time to kind of, it was almost instinctive in a way that he'd kind of come out to sort of close yeah. that angle, you know, because probably the time between uh, Stevens misjudging it and flicking it on and, you know, Gale getting the shot in, it's probably like maximum one second or something like that. And, yeah, yeah, Henderson's right on top of him. And then not only to sort of make himself big and make the block, but then the awareness of like the ball is right there, drop on it, game over. It was great. I mean, yeah, just to touch back on uh, what you were saying there. I mean, Wilder afterwards said, you know, he didn't actually think we played that well. And No, I don't uh, think we did. Uh, yeah, certainly in possession. I mean, you said it there. You know, we, we made some really bad decisions or could have made better decisions in possession. I mean, yeah, that's exactly what I kind of felt as well as like, we look much more likely to score a goal, even if we're not having chance after chance. You know, there's, there, yeah. was, there were several times where it's like, you know, there's one where Sharp uh, kind of broke away in the second half on the sort of inside left channel and he's running into the box and he, he chose to cross. I think it was for McGoldrick actually. And I'm like, no, Billy, just take it and shoot, man. You know, you, you're basically in on mm. goal, even if it is on your left foot, you you Billy Blooming Sharp, just smash it into the net. And, you know, there were there was quite a few times like that. The McGoldrick one you mentioned as well in the first half where 
He did absolutely brilliantly. If he ends yes. up scoring from that, it's probably our goal of the season. You know, flicks yeah. it over El Ghazi's head and then El Ghazi comes back and just basically gets sent into the stand David Brooks style with the, with the drag back. And then, yeah, it's, I, I thought maybe the criticism of McGoldrick, it was a little bit harsh to say like, oh, you know, you just square it for Sharp and it's a tap-in. I mean, Sharp was quite tightly marked. I mean, it, was, it would definitely have been the right thing to do, but it's, probably get fucked, I think. I think more it was Dowell. To be honest with you, Dal oh, yeah, was, was further back. Dal, yeah, Dal was just just behind the sharp shoulder, so it might not have quite seen it in his view line. But basically, Dal was just unmarked. I do remember that now, actually. Yeah, a bit more distance to it, so there's always a bit more risk in that type of pass. But it's just you know lift your head and pass. But I agree with you. I mean, can any of us honestly say if we'd just done that level of skill, what he'd just done, we wouldn't have took a shot? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> I, 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 I can't say. I wouldn't. And I think someone raised a great point on Twitter, which was. With that competitive up front now, with Medine coming in and doing so well, and Hogan looking good against Reading, that you could see McGoldrick was desperate to get one. Yeah, you know, and that's not a bad thing. That's not saying it's a bad thing. He might have made the wrong choice there, but predominantly he does make the right choice. I mean, he he almost set Sharp up in the second half with a brilliant little turn and cross in the box, mm. and the and the defenders just nicked it away from Billy's head. He was just primed to get his ninth headed goal of the season yeah. somehow. <laughs> I don't know what that's all about, but yeah, it's. Um, it was just, it was just that. I thought that I, I saw everyone saying fantastic performance, and as a fan, you say that. But then when you reflect, you think this is almost good that we weren't that good. Yeah, we, we could were, have been better. We were in second gear. I think Ollie Norwood summed it up in the post-match interview. You know, the interview was hyped up because the fans are going. I think the fan reaction was great. The, mm. the fans, I have to say, because I, I didn't go, I watched it on Sky. I thought they were absolutely bloody superb. Yeah, I, I know. I'm not pandering either. That is the loudest I've heard a United away end. That. <laughs> They were incredible. Through the telly, you could hear them, couldn't you? All game. Mm. And then at the end of the game, it looked like it meant something that way. It yeah. really did. But Norwood just said at the end, you know, no hype reaction, just said, I thought we were comfortable, yeah. to be honest. One little error at the end by the best player on the pitch, by a mile in Ender Stevens, And just, yeah, keep a better save. But other than that, we controlled the game. No real threat. Didn't really feel bothered. Didn't really have to get into fifth gear and go for this. Yeah, indeed. Let's let's quickly talk about the goal itself then, because uh, yeah, what what a move that was! I mean, we basically won the ball just on the edge of our own box. I think Fleck just lays it off to Norwood, who runs forward across the halfway line, finds Freeman. Here comes the overlapping centre back. You know, take a shot, take a shot every time. Sky say those words, but it's uh, it's Craney, not Basham, of course, and he he run. I mean, he sprints probably. 80 yards to get on the end of this. Freeman's ball is possibly a little heavy, but yeah, Craney does well to kind of hook it back on the slide. And then Dowell's got into the box himself and just guides that beautiful header into the corner. What a goal. It was. It was an amazing goal. And in the middle of this amazing goal was one of the worst passes on a football pitch you will see. (laughs) I mean, what is A, why is Freeman hitting it with his left foot when he's clearly got no left foot? And B, how over... You can see Craney's face when he's chasing this ball to the byline thinking, what has he done to me here? Yeah, I'm knackered. I've run all but, this way for nothing, but he managed to get there. I mean, he's com- genuinely, though, his composure to, to... A lot of people, you see them slide for the ball to try and keep it in and they end up just knocking it back across and it hits the defender and it's a court. You know, nothing wrong with that. But his composure to think about lifting his foot under it, to dink it, mm. you know, that, that, that has not got enough credit for me because he... How hard is it? He's sliding for a ball that he's stretching for. It's quite hard to whip your foot under it to get some loft on it. Yeah, and then the head, the head is brilliant. He's. Still, I, mean, I mean, just just before we get onto Dal, I mean, Craney's done such a good job. I mean, I don't want to oh. repeat what I've said too much, but genuinely, I don't know who you start at right centre back against Wednesday now because I think Craney has done enough to deserve to keep his spot by you I, know by without even you know stretching the imagination there. To be honest, I, 
I think that could be said about every single one of the people who've come in other than I assume if Jack O'Connell's fit, Stephen will go left wing back, JOC will play left centre back. Yeah. I, I think that's a given because of the, just the, the quality and consistency Jack's given us. But I agree with you. I, who plays up front? I mean, obviously you'd expect Billy to play, but McGoldrick, Medine, Hogan either. I don't know. Dowell or Duffy. I don't know. Yeah. Well, let's, Bulldog, let's talk about the Wednesday game in a bit more detail later on and yeah. the team selection and stuff. But yeah, Kieran Dowell gets his first goal for the Blades. I mean, he just looks... I'm so pleased with how this has panned out after, you know, I was I was pretty hyped for the Ben Woodburn signing early in the season. And, you know, then uh, that obviously didn't work out. But, you know, when Dowell comes in, everything that I hear about him, particularly from yourself, of course, was, you know, this is this is the kind of player we need. It's this direct, dynamic attacking player who's going to drive into space, commit defenders, you know, try difficult things. Some of them won't come off, some of them will. And he was just excellent. I mean, obviously got the goal, but he, you know, set up a couple of chances as well. There was the... Um, uh, the Marvin Johnson chance in the first half, which basically came from Dowell turning away from his man oh. on halfway. He runs to the edge of the area, then a little sort of uh, rolls his studs over the ball to lay it off for Johnson. And it was a good effort by Johnson, actually. I thought, I thought he'd scored when, yeah. Uh, yeah, when yeah. he hit it, just the sort of uh, purity of the strike. But uh, unfortunately, Johnston managed to keep it out. Um, but yeah, Dowell, I mean, he's just he's just given us what we were missing. You know, him, Medine, potentially Hogan as well, if we get to see that. These players have come in and given us the sort of things that we did not have. And yeah, we're already seeing the results and yeah, it, it bodes very, very well for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I suppose I don't really even need to talk about Kieran Dalte. I, the one thing I will say is he's been better than even I knew he would be. Yeah, I, I thought I thought he'd give us a lot on the attacking side that we didn't have with what you've listed, that dynamism, that ch- he's not fast, but that change of pace when mm. you first take the ball on. Um I mean, you mentioned the, the, the like the little step over back heel type thing for Johnson. He did it in the second half for Medine as well. He That's did the right, exact yeah. same, and he set up the shot from Medine. Which, I mean, yeah, or right, XG not high percent his chance, but Medine's got a good strike. You'd expect him to maybe work the keeper harder from mm. there. Um, but he's so so good on the ball. I just love watching him in full fight. You get that. You get that impression that as much as he could lose it and get dispossessed, something could always happen when Dal goes on the ball. Definitely. You know. It, Wherever he picks it up, he, he just it's excitement for me when I watch him. But I didn't expect this level of work rate from him. He mm. has been astonishingly good off the ball. And I I can only assume that's the this squad and the wilder effect. Because he hasn't shown it at Forest and he didn't show it in the Everton youth team. But he has been so good at pressing. Yeah. And the, the the Norwich game aside, which fair enough, he's getting used to his teammates and the system. So yeah, he was a bit confused of when to go and when to sit in. I mean uh, if you if you go watch the game back, you'll see the amount of instruction he was given whenever a sub come on. Right, we're going a flat three, we're going a two. Dal go here, Medine drop. You know, and Kieran's passing all the instructions on, and he's dropping in at centre mid next to next to Norwood when Fleck wants to go press. Mm. He's he's advanced at times. He was the main striker. If Sharp or Medina dropped deep, or did he drop deep? It was he's an intelligent player, a really intelligent player. And yeah, again, we'll talk about the Wednesday thing later, but. There's a lot of players here who are, who are putting their hands up for spots in this side that four months ago were nailed on to one player only. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, well, yeah, I guess just talking about selection, I mean, we have to talk about this kind of forced rotation in defence. I, I don't want to underplay this at all because, you know, three two weeks ago, whatever, we conceded three goals in five minutes against Aston Villa and, and blew that game and, you know, individual errors. Looked to, it was our first choice defence, looked a total mess just for those five minutes and you think oh dear well you know plenty of people said well that could be a an absolute hammer blow to our season and then 
you know, you go into the next game uh, against Middlesbrough and, you know, suddenly O'Connell isn't playing, Basham's suspended and you're sort of thinking like, oh, oh no, what's what's going on here? Yeah. And then, you know, the injuries add pile up and pile up. We've gone through these three games, two of which are against the teams in fourth and fifth place. I haven't conceded a single goal, one all three. Not one of our first choice back five has played the whole of the last three games. And oh. and yeah, by my reckoning, we've used nine players in those five positions, uh, which includes Marvin Johnson, who is, you know, he, he is a backup. He's, he's not a starter whatsoever. Stevens has obviously been playing in uh, a centre-back position, which is not uh, not familiar to him, although you could be forgiven for thinking <laughs> otherwise if you watch these three games. Dowell's played left wing back for the first time in his career. All of them have done, like, an amazing job. Um, and, yeah, it's just... Uh, I can't believe it to be honest. You know, the, the the it's just incredible credit to the players that they can just do such a good job when dropped in there. But yeah, my my final thing on this point is, I mean, I think Ender Stevens. I mentioned it last time, but I think he is now genuine player of the season contender just on what uh, he's he, done in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I. Yeah, I mean, with Sharp like, I think, scandalously not scoring in the last three games. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just what have you done for me yeah. lately? Yeah, obviously Sue Smith was right, and we need an out-and-out goal scorer. <laughs> well, um, once he's got that century, I mean, it's just is might as well hang his boots up now, aren't he? I mean, yeah, not... he's just dropped a new contract. <laughs> that, that's that'll be the next. Oh player. yeah, of course, the new contract. The whole new contract, yeah. the new contract curse. That'll be Stevens now as well. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. So you know, let's let's address the first point about the rotated squad. Uh, the, everyone remembers the Barney game where we did play a rotated team, and it was awful. Yeah. And Barnett didn't just score a penalty. They had a lot more chances than that. Oh, yeah. So defend- defensively, we were shocking. And, and it filled us all with dread. Let's be honest. It filled us all with dread about what if. Because this side looked threadbare. It looked like the 11 was very, very good. And behind that wasn't much. Mm-hmm. What we learned from that Barnet game is kind of what we spoke about at the time, which is for us who play such a bespoke system and structure and style, 11 changes does not help us. No. Because, because these guys don't get to practice this in training. They don't. For those people who think they do, no, they don't. In training, the 11 who are going to play at the weekend or the 11 or 13 will practice against the rest, the subs and the reserves in a game and they will play in the structure and the others won't. They'll play in the structure of the opposition Mm -hmm. so you can pick gaps and practice systems. So Martin Craney, you know, all these guys, they're not used to it at the time. Now they're used to it because they've got game time, they've had training time where we've been able to swap in, swap out. And what you see is, A, the players work ethic to, to actually learn the system and apply it but B the genius that is the Sheffield United coaching team yeah because if you tell any West Brom Martin Craney was quite highly rated at West Brom they thought he was a good solid defender if you tell any West Brom fan or Coventry fan or Southampton fan who Martin Crane has played for that he'd be bombing on from right centre back to chip a crossing to set a goal up in the box they're not believing you they're not if you speak to any Blades fan last season and you say Ender Stevens at left wing back, he's going to play left centre back and be the best, most solid defender on the pitch mm. away at West Brom. No, everyone thinks you're insane. Yeah, that, I, I, I don't know how the hell it's happened. <laughs> I, don't, I honestly don't know what has happened other than the players are just up in their game every single week to compete for a shirt, which is again testament to them and the building of the squad. But I mean. Nine clearances, Stevens, the most in the game. Three tackles, the most in the game. Massive block shot, couple of interceptions, ball recoveries. He won six out of nine duels. It's it was about as defender of a performance as Jack O'Connell could give, and it's yeah. from end. No, it was I, really impressive. Um, it's, it's, 
I mean, Stearman's come on at half-time for Egan, who had been a colossus in the first half, by the way. Yeah. Egan had been great in the first half. He, he'd made a great couple of recovery tackles. Oh, and yeah, Stearman, definitely did on the counter-attack, yeah. He absolutely, yeah, when it was like the three-on-one and they had all the players across the other side of the pitch. That's right, yeah. Uh, and Egan just, he, he actually made a bit of a mad decision, really, to go and try and block the ball. I think, you know, in hindsight, <laughs> he, might, he might look at that and think, I probably made the wrong call there, but he ended up winning <laughs> it. And Stearman just jogs on and just, I mean, he's as solid as a rock. You know, he's... It, and the organisation he provides, I mean, he, he was cheering headers away. That's mm. a proper defender. Stearman was, you know, he was winning a massive header and fist pumping and giving Endo a big fist pump and clashing heads. And it was, That's how much that clean sheet meant to them, which is what you want to see. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, one thing I, just on that I, that I thought was quite interesting is, uh, you know, Wilder's come out and said afterwards, that, you know, the, the injuries to these players, so uh, to Egan, Baldock and Craney, you know, they're not, uh, sorry, and O'Connell, uh, they're not serious. They should be back for the derby. But, you know, we obviously made a decision not to risk them, particularly with Egan. You know, we we obviously yeah. you obviously said at half time like it's not worth risking Egan, and we're confident that we can just drop Stearman in there, and he will do as good a job, and we're we you know we'll we'll see this game out. And you know that that's a massive call. I mean, you can say with with hindsight, like oh, it was the right call, but you know, I, I really like I like the approach, and I, I would imagine that this is like you know where the kind of sports science team really gets the value in because we obviously knew there was a going to be a big risk of kind of aggravating an injury if, if Egan stayed out there and we felt like it's not a huge step down in quality if Stearman comes in and uh, and you know just does the job for the rest of the game rather than sort of going all in on the one game and you know risking whatever's wrong with Egan I think it was a calf wasn't it or something just calf, yeah, yeah, calf ri- risking that becoming something much more serious and suddenly he's out for like four weeks and yeah I mean I just thought it was a really interesting approach that we're like, oh, we're, we're not going to risk this. Like we, you know, we're in for the whole season basically. It's not about just this one game. So you know, if O'Connell's hamstring strain isn't isn't quite right yet, well, Ender Stevens will play left centre back instead. And you know, not only the uh, ability of the players, but I think the confidence of the management as well to just be like, we can just drop a few more players in here and get the results that we need out of it. Uh, absolutely no you've nailed it there. the same with the Marvin Johnson thing I mean I, mm. I I'd had a few on Saturday I won't lie and I probably shouldn't have a Twitter account when I've had a few Peronis but um, <laughs> I, I saw the comments on the on the lineup before the game and I was I was honestly angry I was yeah, really I, I, angry I try not to look at those things <laughs> I, I mean I get that social media is an interpretive of a fan base as a whole you know it's the whole um, the small minority of the loudest type thing mm. but I could a, I never, I've never, even me and you privately will DM and we're like, oh, not sure about this, but we only ever say not sure. Yeah. We never, you know, we're never like, oh, why are we playing him or anything like that? I get it's away at West Brom. I get that wasn't the lineup that fills you with the most confidence you're ever going to have away at West Brom. But I mean, the, the faith, the staff, at, Marvin Johnson's a great example. Let's be honest, me and you even included in this, probably wrote him off, quite frankly. Yeah, it's probably, I mean, like thought, I say, he's a backup, isn't he? He's a backup left winger. Yeah. Like, but probably, yeah, probably thought great. he was going to come in and do a bit more than he has would yeah, be fair. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And then he goes and, you know, all right, he lost the ball a couple of times. I saw Wilder frustrated with him once when he went for a dribble when he should have just whipped it in when Medine laid it off. But I thought he was exceptional. Yeah. I thought he good. ran He ran all day. He was defensively solid. Some of the, you know, some of his positioning to cover for Stevens, especially as they were loaded up on the back post, was brilliant. Yeah, I, th- you know, I thought they, I thought, I mean, I haven't looked at this, but uh, it felt like most of West Brom's attacks were coming down the right-hand side with, yeah. with Holgate and Phillips, t- until Montero came on anyway. And yeah, that left side was solid. You know, Johnson was, uh, you know, tracking back, you know, staying in position, getting forward as well. It was it was basically 
about as good as you could expect for somebody filling in for our first choice I, left wing back. You can't really ask more for him. No, exactly. You couldn't ask more for him. You could say, you, you could say, people will say, oh, you know, I mean, they won't, but you could say, oh, he could put in better balls than that. But in terms of work ethic and contribution to the game, he massively contributed. Yeah. And, and I think uh, that is a testament to him and the staff that they backed him. They've given him the confidence to go out there and perform like that. Uh, you, you've already covered Craney. I must pull my hands up. I'm I'm now a converted George Bulldog fan, but Cream, Kieran Freeman was fantastic. Mm. He was brilliant because, it, as we all know, Freeman, he has recently got tired in games. That's why he, I think he got out of the side and he looked at to be tiring, especially after that horrible Kieran Gibbs tackle. Mm. Um, tackle and then they bring on... In inverted commas. The, well, yeah, GBH. <laughs> and, and then they bring on Jefferson Montero, who ripped as a new one for Swansea at the start of the season. Yeah. You know, I, I think United fans all got nightmares when they saw him coming on. And in the first instance, Montero picks the ball up, goes for a dribble. He's one-on-one with Freeman, isolated, nowhere near him. And Freeman stands him up brilliantly and blocks across. Mm. Yeah, went out for a corner, but brilliant. And then I think quite good from Wilder tactically to bring Bash on. Yeah. Just for the last 15, because, you know, even Craney was tiring at that point, and Bash just brought that aggressiveness, just pinned Montero down, really, um, and, and did a good job on him. But, yeah, I just, you know, you, you one thing you need in a championship is you need players who can come in and not just do a job, but can contribute. And every single one of them has. Yeah. You can't say fairer than that. And they look so tight knit at the end of the game. They really did. That You know, this was, you can tell if we go up, this is because every single one of them wants it. Mm hmm. Definitely. I mean, but by contrast, I mean, so you said this when we were talking about the West Brom uh, approach, I guess, on the last podcast. And you were saying, you know, for all their attacking talent and all their, you know, very, very good players kind of up and down the team, you weren't that impressed with them. You know, you couldn't sort of see what their, I guess, what their style was, what their kind of uh, game yeah. plan was or anything like that. And I think we really saw that in this game. I, I just, I just don't, yeah, I found it quite bizarre. I mean, they had this really strange slowness about getting the ball they were trying to break play it out from the back okay fine but there was like three or four times where Johnston had got the ball and he just sort of yeah. did nothing with it for 20 seconds he just like stood there and stared around a bit and then you know would chip it to a you know a wide central defender who was either miscontrolled it or it went over his head or one of our players was basically on him immediately and yeah I mean not only was that kind of bizarre but I think it also because that's how we play it underlines how good we are at doing that ourselves, how good we are at playing it out from the back. You know, the sort of just the comfort levels that we tend to have on the ball. I mean, I, I lost count the amount of times uh, El Ghazi just sort of passed it straight to us or straight out of play. Yeah. And uh, yeah, overall, just, uh, you know, like I said, they didn't actually create very much at all during the whole game. I've been calling yeah. him El Ghazi all podcast. Apologies. It's El Ghazi. It's El Ghazi. El Ghazi plays for Aston Villa. I can't be bothered to go and edit that one out, so you can just have that as my... You can have that as my weekly error for anybody waiting to uh, pounce on that one after I wrongly said all of the last podcast that this game was on Friday night. But there you go. Apologies uh, to both Ahmed El Ghazi and Mr. Higazi. Anyway. Just gonna, just gonna, just gonna, I'm just going to let you keep hanging yourself. Just, <laughs> um, no, you... It, yeah, no, thank you for that. Correct. No, I, this is I've thought this about West Brom all year. As I said, I think other observers of the championship think the same. Um, if this side didn't have Dwight Gale, Jay Rodriguez, and Harvey Barnes, especially earlier in the mm. season, they would be nowhere near the top three. Absolutely nowhere near because they have no structure or style of play. Yeah, their, their, their first half tactic was, and we allowed them to because we didn't go and press him tight, which could have gone against us, but didn't was get the ball out wide to Mason Holgate and he whips it in. 
other than that, they got it to Matt Phillips and hoped that he ran with it a lot and set someone up. Mm. I, I, that was that was it for me. Their two centre mids can't play good passes progressively, Livermore or Barry. They they don't play good progressive passes. The young kid in the middle, Raheem Harper, he, he's going to be a world beater, but he was just a bit off it. Yeah, he um, looked great for about half an hour and then completely yeah. disappeared. I, I, and it, there'll be a bit of physical and mental fatigue in that. He's played a lot of games. I know it's his blade spot, but for those who like young EFL type players who are going to rise, Raheem Harper is going to be a star. He is very, very good. But A, we did a job on him and B, he got lost in a big game, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't want to go on about them because it's not about them, but they just, I, I have honestly felt no threat from West Brom in the last six weeks whenever I've spoken about top two. Interesting. And uh, I, yeah, I, their home form's pretty... Pretty yeah. average, in it, which I don't want people to use as like a oh well the winning at West Brom doesn't actually count because the home form is rubbish. Well, well, no, I'm not having that because we've we've no. actually gone to the best home teams in the league this year and and done pretty well. So Norwich, yeah. we've got points from. I can't remember who the other one was, but we've been in like either one or got points out of that as well. So I'm not having that. Um, but yeah, we definitely deserve this. Uh, we're now ten points clear of seventh. Yeah, which is I mean they play tonight, don't they, Derby? Uh, yeah, Derby and Forest, yeah. And I mean, you, you'll get massive odds on Derby or Birmingham or whoever overtaking us at this point. They might overtake someone else, but they're not going to overtake us. Like, you know, I've been saying this for probably six weeks now, but we are almost yeah. certain to make the playoffs barring something ridiculous. And we have not seen any evidence that any ridiculousness is on the horizon, whether that's through injury or suspension. Well, we've just come through those or we're hopefully through those with you know absolute flying colours. So yeah, in a great position, and um, yeah, let's keep keep going for the top two. See what happens, I suppose. Hundred uh, percent. Yeah, you know, use the old players' cliche of game by game, and it's going to be that way. You know, I was I was like many Blades fans watching the results coming on Saturday afternoon, thinking this is great. Norwich are losing. I mean, I didn't really want Bristol City to win, if I'm honest. Mm. I, I want I want automatic. Of course, I do. It Sheffield United in the playoffs. We don't go well together, but. I want that gap. I want that cushion because we are in a, an, an immense run of form and the championship teaches you that every now and again, you don't win a few games. That's just how it goes. Yeah. Um. You know, between now and the end of the season, there will be a run of three, four games where we might not win. We might draw, lose a few, but we won't win in four. And we might need a bit of points, mm-hmm. you know, just, just to guarantee the playoffs. And now I expect Norwich and Leeds both to have the same kind of run, especially Leeds. They've got similar level of difficulty of fixtures to us. That is the championship. Um, it, it's what happens. But yeah, I, I think this was a massive win. I don't think you can under... Uh, every week's a massive game. We talk about that every week. Oh, it's a must-win game. Well, every week is, obviously. <laughs> but uh, there was something about this result after the game. Watching the players, watching the fans, watching Wilder at the end. There was just something about this result. We went away to West Brom. We kept them to zero. I, I think the biggest thing for me is we always talk about it in this pod. Our best way of defending, even against good opposition, is to go on the front foot. We keep the ball, we minimise their chances in our box and that way we don't invite the pressure and, and we keep clean sheets or ones. Yeah. Well, in this game, we had to defend. We had to defend with a weakened team and we properly had to scrap and defend and chuck bodies on the line and we proved we could do it. And and that's some, that was probably the only question left, quite frankly, because even away at Norwich, we didn't really have to scrap and defend. Mm. We just had a, we had a good game of football and had a go end to end. Whereas we had to scrap and defend this one, especially after the Villa debacle a couple of weeks ago. This this answered the final question for me. Nice. That's what I like to hear. Do you know, I, I was I shouldn't have done this. I feel bad for doing this. But I a, a while ago, uh, I think it was when we spoke actually on this podcast, I looked at the average points needed to make the playoffs. And, you know, we, 
basically said, you know, we're going to do that unless we mess something up. This, was, In fact, yeah, I remember this was after we'd beaten QPR. So it was before we lost to Swansea and then had this other run of games. And I looked at the average points needed to finish second. So the way I did this was I... I looked at the points total of the third place team and basically added one on for the last 10 seasons. So the average points needed, so the minimum points needed to finish second, uh, came in about, I think it was 84 and a half points. They call it 85 points. We are currently on 64 points. That's 21 points to meet that target in 12 games. Do you know what I did? I went through our remaining fixtures and and had a little just mental, uh, quickly totted them up in my head. I I called it a draw at Wednesday, which we'll come on to in a minute. I called it a draw at Birmingham. I said we'd lose to Leeds and Preston, which I think is a fairly pessimistic outlook. That's quite conservative, yeah. Yeah, and I still had us getting to uh, 85, 86 points with about two games to spare. Mm. Oh, let's settle down. We're still the third favourites for the top two in my mind, and the bookies also agree with me. But I, I, uh, something uh, could uh, be happening. My XG betting model disagrees. Disagrees with with which part? The third favourite part. With the third favourite part, we are second favourites according to my XG model of of expected points and ranking, which I'm not releasing, um, and ranking <laughs> dif- difficulty of opponents mm. left. We are second favourites. Nice. I, I want to talk about that actually, probably another time. Just like uh, I don't know, just get into some detail on difficulty of remaining schedule and the different ways you can kind of skin it, I suppose. But yeah, I, I mean, we we have to talk about uh, our next game because it's it may not be big for both teams in the way that this game was for league position, but it's still pretty big. It is of course the Steel City or Sheffield Derby, depending on your your preference of nomenclature. I remember Wilder was there. Uh, pretty adamant that it was not the Steel City Derby last time. So, yeah, we, we travelled to Hillsborough for the first time since since that time, <laughs> since uh, the bouncing ended. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you know, we obviously played Wednesday at home in November. It was a nil-nil draw, of course. Uh, you and I, and I think many, many United fans, were very confident going into that game, and, and justifiably so. I mean... I think we were we were sort of top three or four at that point. Wednesday were, I think, not in the relegation zone, but very much down the bottom of the league. All the advanced stats had them as one of the worst two or three teams. I think they just lost sort of four or five in a row as well. Uh, they came and played the most shamelessly defensive game of football I think I've ever seen. Uh, and we missed a penalty, which would have completely changed the game, I'm sure, but couldn't get the win. Um Surely this match on Monday night at Hillsborough is not going to be another nil-nil, or at least it's not going to be the same pattern. <laughs> Surely. No, I um, disagree. I disagree. I think it could be. Really? Go on, yeah. go on, make, make the case. So last 10 games, which is, I don't know, I think Joss lehukai has been sacked now for about 12, 13 games. Something last, like that, yeah. I think Bruce last, has had one, two, three, four, five games in charge, yeah. As, and then you've as, got, obviously, the team before that. Yeah, with Clements and Agnew, and, and then you've got the Lee Bullen. Oh yeah, him. Yeah, oh him. Yeah, oh, oh him. Who we will talk. Um, yeah. So last ten games kind of form for the whole league table. Sheffield Wednesday have only lost one in ten. In that mm-hmm. time, they've only conceded eight goals, which is the third best record in the league over mm-hmm. ten games. Do you want to know who's better than them? Uh, ourselves and Middlesbrough, uh, I guess. Ourselves and Bristol City. Okay. Um, oh yeah, they're very good defensively as well. Aren't they? Yeah. Bristol City, uh, Wednesday, a joint with Middlesbrough and Preston. Um, in that time, they've only con- scored 10 goals. 
which mm. is one of the lowest in the league, whereas we have scored 20, which is the joint second most. Hmm. This is all, remind everyone, this is all over 10 games. Um, you will hear Wednesday fans tell you they've only lost one in how many games, and they're amazing. They would be eighth in the league table for the last 10 games. Mm-hmm. Do, you want to know who's, do you want to know who's top? Ourselves. Correct. We are top on goal difference from Bristol City. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, we, we, we do score a lot, we create a lot, I do know that, but one thing Wednesday have been, since they've sought Jasper Hukai, is they've been quite solid. Um, they're not conceding a lot of goals. They've drawn five games, won four, lost one. So if they are losing a game, it's by an odd goal as well. Um, yeah. I, I think that there is a, a good feeling over there, especially after the win on Saturday. Um, that's two in a row for Bruce now. Um, Ips- Ipswich and, and uh, Swansea on Saturday, wasn't it? Uh, so, they drew the previous game. It's, they it's, did, a, they, it's a whole one winner in a row. That's it. They, they drew against Reading, didn't they? Uh, Rotherham. Um, Rotherham, yeah, Rotherham. Two all. I mean, so there you go. Rotherham has scored two, so perhaps, you know, there's a bit of precedent there. I guess the point I'm trying to say is from that team that came to us, which all metrics said were terrible defensively, and they, they had to basically put 11 or 14 behind the ball <laughs> to uh, to even have a chance of keeping a clean sheet. I, I'm not sure they need to do that now. I think they've got... A, they are defensively in the last 10 games XG as well shows them as it's been quite high up in the table. I've got them mm. about over the last 10 games, about ninth or eighth in the table. If you just took the last 10 games. So yeah. they are a mid table to decent side. Now uh, that's fair. That's the unbiased side of this. Um, I'm always nervous because you have to be, they, they mm. do have talent. They have talent and they've added some pace as well, which the one thing that I didn't have before. So I wasn't scared of, um, but, I think we'll win. I yeah. just think we'll win. I, 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 I'm not. I'm not buying this. I know the guy from S2 wrote the brilliant form book out the window thing, but I'm not even buying form book here. I'm just buying what this means to the players. Not just the Steel City derby, not just the Sheffield derby. Leeds and Norwich will have already played. I mean, mm. in fact, Leeds, Leeds play tomorrow night against QPR away with their game in hand. That's right. So Come on, QPR. they could get yeah. a point. You can do it. You can get a point from a game for once. It's QPR. No, they can't. Um, <laughs> I mean, Leeds could conceivably be three, three points ahead of us. They could be top of the league come Saturday. And then they play, uh, I can't remember who, but Norwich are, I think they have West Brom on Friday night, Norwich. Um, other way around, Leeds Leeds play West Brom on Friday night, That's I believe. It. Yeah. Okay. So they, they could actually be six points ahead of us, Leeds, by, that, by the time we play. Exactly. And I think that, you know, some would say that could put pressure on. Some would say, don't think about that. It's a Steel City derby. Just go out and win the game. But I actually think this side are looking at that league table constantly, you know, because you, you can't not be. This is a complete three-way shootout. And, and I think if the others win, we they know we need to win and we'll go out and win. Um, this is a better Sheffield Wednesday side is the only caveat to that. Yeah, uh, but in, I mean, hot take alert, that might actually help us. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I agree. No, I agree. They are going to come out and play. Yeah. They are going. They are going now. That could be threatening for us because they do have some players who are threatening. I, I don't think he's amazing, but whenever Lucas Jao gets a ball in the box when they play us, I, I am worried because he has that ability to just turn someone and put it in the top corner, same as Adam Reach. Mm. You know, th- these are players that you do get scared of when they're on the ball. Yeah. But they are going to have to come out and play. They have nothing else to play for this season. They won't make the playoffs, despite what Mark <laughs> Owl wants to say. They're not going to make the playoffs. So this is uh, their season. This is yeah. their season right here. This is everything. They've got a shot to nothing. If they lose to us, oh, well, we've lost to United. They're good this year. Yeah. You know, 
if they win us, they might they in their minds might think they'll bust our season, which me and you don't think they will because Villa proved that. I think mm. we'll bounce back. You know, Rotherham's a great game after Wednesday because it's another derby that you have to get up for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, they're going to have to go out of play, which means there's going to be space, which then leads on to selection. It does, yeah. I mean, I just just before we get on to that, I mean, uh, just to quickly talk Wednesday's form because. You know, generally, I try not to actually pay too much attention to what Wednesday doing. But, you know, for the purpose of this podcast, I actually had to go and do that a little bit. But, yeah, I looked at their last five games. So, basically, when Bruce took over um, and, yeah, pulled up the XG for each game from Infogol. So, um, yeah, a, you know, a good win over Swansea. You can't you can't deny that at the weekend. It was uh, Wednesday had 1.8 XG, plays 1.5. So, you know, kind of a close game, but you know, still a good win. Swansea had three big chances to Wednesday's two in that game, actually. So could have gone the other way, but you know, you say that's a good win. Rotherham, ouch. Rotherham 2.6 plays Wednesday's 1.4. So, I mean, you know, that kind of happened to us as well when we went to Rotherham as well. So not a total aberration, but still kind of concerning, I guess. Uh, the nil-nil with Millwall, uh, I didn't watch it, but <laughs> it's just going on the XG totals. That looks like one of the worst games ever played. Terrible, to be honest. And Nilna was the correct result. Uh, They did. uh, They should have beaten Reading. They comfortably outplayed them. One point nine plays, zero point seven. And then they got a deserved win against Ipswich. But I mean, Ipswich are terrible. And yeah, just just on that note, I don't think you could have a kinder first four games as manager than Ipswich, Reading, Millwall, Rotherham. That that is so true. I do talk to some guys who do the owls about stat kind of stuff so similar to us and they, they are good guys actually um but i have said that that's my caveat to all this positivity they have they have played apart i think they played west brom when lee bullen was in charge but that's right yeah. it's, in terms of bruce and clements and agnew whoever it was they've literally played no one yeah and you like, can only beat or uh in some of these cases draw not, with what's not, put, yeah, not win. <laughs> draw with what's put in front of you but um yeah i would I'm not reading too much into that, to be honest. I mean, I completely agree. Wednesday have definitely improved from when we last played them. But yeah, from from what I can see, they are probably more of a mid-table team than anything else. And, you know, with nothing to fear from a footballing uh, quality perspective. No, they, and they have some, again, I don't want to rattle on about them, but they now have some tough fixtures from now till the end of the season. So I know, right. I know, they, I know they play Norwich. I believe they play Leeds again. They play us. Um, so you they know this us, is really. a, yeah yeah they play us yeah yeah um, so this is you know it could be false it could be a false dawn you're right it could be um, and I th- I just think I don't know I might be I might be getting buying into this hype I might be becoming a bit of an emotional fan but can I go as far as saying I just think we might want it a bit more I don't I don't, I don't I don't want to jinx it but the, you know th- their team is a team that's full of sixty percent of their players are probably out of contract in the summer. Um, yeah. I think it's a well-known fact. I'm not saying that plays a part in just 90 minutes. I think everyone could just get involved for 90 minutes, but it, it might very, play a... Uh, very weird we... comments by Adam Reach last week. Did you see I that? Oh, so. I know you did, actually. In fact, you brought it to my attention on Twitter. Yeah, I thought I thought so. Um, I thought it was... You know, he's, he sounds like he's safe and staying mm. because he's like, yeah, it's up to the manager to decide what he's doing with the rest. It's like, that's quite an open thing to say, isn't it? You yeah, know. a little bit. Um, but yeah, so let's talk selection then, team selection for United because... I mean, I have no idea anymore. And whatever team gets... Simon Moore at right wing back. (laughs) It's about all. There's uh, the only player left to play there, I think. (laughs) Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I'm just at this stage now where whatever team gets put out there, I might raise an eyebrow, but I will probably think, all right, fair enough. We've, <laughs> we've seen it work in these other games. But in all seriousness, uh, if I had to guess, uh, and I would assume the fitness of... the Assume that we have a fully fit squad, so Egan, O'Connell, Baldock available, etc. I would assume it's our first choice back five. Uh, I think that Dal will start. And I think it'll be Medine and Sharp up front. However, I could completely, as I say, you know, if we went with McGoldrick, if we went with Duffy, I would completely understand the logic and think think we would have an equal chance of winning the game, to be honest. But how, how do you see it going? Uh, yeah, I completely agree. I, I, I almost don't care at this point. I just trust yeah. whatever 11 is out there. Um, the, my only tactical, I guess, caveat, and not that I know more than Wilder would be, if Baldock is fully fit and able to do the sprints, he would start for me. Yeah, um, I agree. Wednesday have added a bit of pace on the left-hand side. They've got lone left-back from Newcastle, Ashraf Lazar, who mm. I watched for Feyenoord about three years ago um, in like an obscure Europa League game just because I like Feyenoord from FIFA. <laughs> and basically, he was just fast, really fast. And Rolando Ahrens as well, who they got on loan from Newcastle. I remember when he had a loan spell with Bristol City, he was really good. Um, mm. And he's just fast as well, fast and tricky, which... You know, I'm sure Freeman can deal with, but I would always rather Baldock be up against those type of players just because he has an extra bit of pace and an extra bit of aggressiveness. Mm. Um, other than that, I, I'm not really bothered. Uh, I, I think perhaps for me, I mean, I mean, I guess we should probably guess them, right? Or, or say what our lineup would be because we know we're not going to second guess Wilder, so what would ours be? I think obviously Henderson in goal. This is depend- fitness depending. I'd go the normal back three, Egan Bash and JOC. I would so start would Bash. start Bash, okay. I would. I think Crane is done superb and he's been excellent, but I couldn't leave Chris Basham out of the Derby game. Mm. I think you need your, uh, as much as Martin Crane is a professional player and he would be up for it, I have no doubt. I think you need your players who know what a Sheffield Derby means. I think we saw that last time. Um, I, I'm, I don't know if that's just me just spitting a bit of hyperbole out there, but it, it just seems as though the side that normally has more players who knows what this game means tends to win. Um, and Bash for me he, he, yeah he's almost a Sheffielder now hmm. so I, I would have him there Baldock at right wing back let Stevens left wing back I think the centre mids are obvious I would then probably play Mark Duffy okay uh, just because I think every time he gets the ball he'll give them nightmares their fans <laughs> um, I, and I think in the you know red hot fever that it's going to be on that game I, I think Duff's control of the of the play in the final third and linking of the play basically just taking that extra pass, that extra touch, and his little bit a bit more quality on his delivery from out wide, especially. Mm. Uh, where, where I think Wednesday are susceptible. I think they are susceptible to crosses into the box with good movement like Sharp has. I, I think that Duff could probably do that job a little bit better, but I, I, I have no problem if Dal starts either. Yeah, and you equally, know. you know, when you're just saying that, then Duffy started, I'm like, oh, yeah, actually, you've got to start Duffy, aren't you? Just, yeah. I just, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I just think the, the, the obvious nightmares, you know, it's almost like a reoccurring theme, isn't it? As soon as Duffy gets the ball... But more than that, I think Dal would be a better impact sub if needed. Mm. Uh, it's almost like you're putting a better player on the bench in a way. Does that make sense? I'm not saying he's yeah, better. Yeah, well, I but... feel like we... I kind of feel like we did that a bit this weekend, in a way, uh, uh-huh. against against West Brom. So, yeah, yeah sort of does. does make sense, yeah. yeah. I mean, Duff's good enough to start play and dominate Sheffield Wednesday. 
they were clueless to how, where he was at Bramall Lane. Mm. Well, you know, I was, I was super nerdy. I went back and listened to what we listened to our review of that game, and yeah, that was one thing that you called out was, uh, you know, Duffy. He was trying to be. He was being uh, man marked by uh, I can't remember which Wednesday midfielder it was, um, and then he basically switched from McGoldrick and went and played as a sort of as a second striker uh, in front. You know, actually up with the Wednesday back four, and they had absolutely no idea who was picking him up, how to pick him up. And yeah, I mean, listening back to that game, because it, uh, it wasn't a great game at all, but listening back to our reactions to it, you know, we were pretty positive that we'd basically done everything well up until the final ball. And so uh-huh. the actual control of the game was excellent. You know, we were getting into good positions very easily. But yeah, just that sort of final delivery just wasn't working for us on the night. But yeah, you absolutely called that out, that Duffy had a great game on the night, obviously won the penalty as well and just was involved in everything. I, yeah, I, I, you know, heads as well are important, aren't they? You know, mm. you, you want an aggressive front foot team in a derby, but you also want in the final third a bit of composure, yeah. and a bit of quality, and, and I think Duff does bring that. I mean, he won the penalty on the night, and for the first half an hour, he was absolutely bloody unplayable. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I think if, and this goes probably up front as well. I would start McGoldrick and Sharp. Yeah. Um, I, I think that combination of Didsy dropping off and becoming a 10 with either Dowell or Duffy being able to run beyond him, linking play, helping down the left-hand side link play, and just that extra class, basically, on the ball to, to help us move up the pitch, I think that's important. Mm. And I also think Medina is a great sub, impact-wise, uh, in this type of game. You know, if it's not working or we're losing, God forbid, we can bring him on. If, if it's nil-nil again and there's not much happening... We can just throw him on in the 50th, 55th minute and all of a sudden you've got a target to, to not go long to, but to hit with crosses in the box. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I would definitely start Sharp and McGoldrick up front, although I could, again, understand the Medine starting because we might be under the cosh and we might need a target, which, you know, as we know, Medine... I'd actually be surprised if Medine doesn't start from a wilder perspective because mm. if, if, you, if you're going to start him away at Norwich and away at Villa, then you're probably starting him away at Wednesday, right? I'd, well, no. but then you could say I, I expected him to start against West Brom. I was surprised that he didn't. Uh, yeah, I get. So I, I guess I can only think maybe fitness permitting, perhaps mm. uh, it could be tactical, but fitness permitting. Yeah, uh, it's, it's great. These options are great, and this is well, why. That's I was it. I'm going to ask you for a prediction in a second, but you know, again, listening back to the the sort of review of the previous derby, and you know, you and me were saying like, oh, why didn't we? Well, I looked at the bench for starters, and our, our bench was not great that day compared to what it is now but you know we were sort of saying you know if we could have changed one thing you know we would have brought Marvin Johnson on you know got him to like run at them and I was saying you know I'm a bit disappointed that Ben Woodburn you know I don't think he was actually in the team that night but you know I'm a bit disappointed he went on the bench and just come on as like just something a bit different and geez how the how the squad has evolved in in the space of like three months or whatever it is I mean you know now we're here debating do we leave you know do we leave leave one of the best strikers in the championship and it will member of the best strike partnership in the championship in David McGoldrick, who, you know, was on a ridiculous run of form a few weeks ago. Do we leave him out or do we leave out the guy who's on loan who scored two in the last home game and he cost a Premier League team six million quid? You know, do we play this lad that's just, uh, you know, just scored the winning goal for us and look really good in midfield? Or do we go with Mark Duffy, who we all know is, is brilliant? And yeah, I mean, I know, you know we've said like Wednesday have definitely improved from where they were in November, but Geez, haven't we as well? And yeah, that that should fill us with confidence going into this. Oh, so much chronic. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I, I've seen. Uh, you know, we, me and you listen to other podcasts, as in, you know, championship podcasts, not top twenty. And you look at other things, and sometimes talk about this stockpiling situation. I think Wilder might have a reputation, almost a bit of a Warlock esque in, in in the forward department. I, I disagree with that entirely. Yeah, whenever I speak completely. to completely. I mean, 
I've privately spoke to a George and Ali about this. <laughs> I'm not going to talk to any. And I was like, you're wrong, boys. Yeah, I agree with everything more normally that you say, but you're wrong here. What he has done is he's just added the depth that's needed. Yeah. Like, we had three strikers. And as much as I like Connor Washington, I like his effort, he's never going to be a predator. We said that when we signed him. So really, yeah, it's like a t- change of pace almost literally, isn't it? Uh, we had two goal scorers and we've now, I mean, we we might not see much of Hogan between now and the end of the season because the, the three are doing really well, but you kind of guess that we will with mm. the games coming thick and fast. But what we've added is just variety. We've had a threat. We've had a power and pace and all of that while Billy Sharp's battling out for the top goal scorer list and David McGoldrick should probably be on 14-15 himself. So yeah. it's... It is insane. The squad development has been insane and we have better options than most in the league. Now in the forward department, um, I can't think of a better four. No. Uh, West, as in inform, on paper, yeah, but as in inform, I can't. Uh, and yeah, whatever team sets out to play, we will be a threat. We will create chances and I've got no doubt we will We will definitely, definitely create something that should lead to a goal. <laughs> nice. I thought you were going in with like a major. That I've no doubt we definitely win, and then I thought you were downgrading no, it. To, no, I've no, no doubt we're definitely going to score this time. And no, we'll just, we'll just settle with we're definitely going to create some chances. Which, we, I think uh, is but that's fun. a, but that's a big thing because these games sometimes peter out. You look at Man U Liverpool yesterday. I'm not, you know, I'm not comparing the quality on the pitch, but ball fest. I get the injuries affected, but it was a ball fest. It Hardly any good chances were created because both sides negated each other. And, and that can happen in derbies mm. because you can try to match each other up too much and the competitiveness takes over so the quality lacks. I have no... I don't even think that's going to happen. We will definitely create one or two golden chances. Yeah, it's just we, whether we... It's, it's always whether we take them or not. We create yeah. them every game. And generally we take them every game as well with uh, very few exceptions. I mean, we've only lost one since... Uh, we've only lost one since West Brom beat us in December and that was Swansea away and that was, you know, a game that... <laughs> exactly as we just said, we missed... Two or three chances. fantastic chances, and Swansea took their Swansea basically took their first chance, and yeah, we we couldn't really create anything after that. But yeah, I think so too. But go on, what's your? Give me your prediction for the game, then. Give me your your result prediction. Head says one one, mm. which I, I would take. I think um, Heart says we're going to win two one. Okay. Well, you've you've uh, stolen with- my thunder because uh, I was going to say a one one draw. I don't just like. I mean, uh, I strongly recommend people go and read uh, Anthony Adsed's piece, which is, uh, is at S2 Stats on Twitter. So if you just go and find that or just Google S2 Stats, you'll find his blog as well. But incredible deep dive into the uh, the history of Sheffield derbies and, and form. And it is actually fascinating how yeah. close historically we've been together throughout our entire histories in terms of league position. Not geographically, obviously, that would be stupid. Um, yeah, it's a really, really interesting piece. And yeah, I mean, one thing that kind of kind of does come that I did take out of it is away wins don't happen that often in derbies. No, they don't. And, uh, you know, whilst whilst something that happened 50 years ago perhaps doesn't have too much bearing on what's going to happen uh, in 2019, uh, I do still think, you know, if I was if I was going to place a bet, it would be on a draw, I think. But, yeah, I, I like 1-1 I like as well. You know, I suppose Wednesday are probably due for uh, Adam Reach to actually score a 20-yarder out of nothing in one of these games because <laughs> we've, we've been bigging it up for the last three derbies, I think. So let's say that happens. But, um, yeah, I, I like our chances of scoring as well. So, I, yeah. I've got, I've got to be honest, my head effort is more uh, probably the better in me and it's also more the trying to take the pressure off. Uh, if you ask me right now, I think we'll win the game. I, I do think we'll win the game. I, I honestly do. I think we'll, I don't think they're as good as us. I think... I get derbies, I get that things can change, 
because they'll say that. But I don't believe we were worse than them when we went and won four two. If you see what I mean, no. you know, they do this whole oh yeah, we're there. We they've, they've got better players. They're better. Uh, no, disagree entirely. You didn't have better players at the time. We played a better system, better football, and we have more threatening players in that system. Mm. And I think that is even truer today. We yeah. have better. We have a better team, as in better players that work towards the common goal. They play in a better structure, which they know better than the opposition all the time. We create more chances and we are better defensively. I think we will go and win that game. I hope you're right. It would be, uh, you know, it would just be yet another step on what could be an amazing season. Um, I guess, but yeah, my my thing is just the last two derbies I've expected us to win. Um, you know, everything pointed us to us winning and it just didn't happen. But we should have won. Both those derbies. I mean, this is where XG comes yeah, in, isn't it? That's I mean, true. You, you, you consider those two games of small sample sizes. We, I mean, to be honest, the second Ramelain game in the season we won 4-2 wasn't the greatest game. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a highly attritional defensive game. But we did win the XG battle, so we should have won that game. We clearly should have won at Lane this year. Yeah. That, that goes without doubt. We created enough and just ran out of ideas. But you'll get naysayers of, of underlying stats saying, oh, yeah, but we defended. It doesn't matter. We should have won that game. So if, if, if you play that game out 100 times, we are winning probably 90 times. Mm-hmm. and the last two have gone to form on that front, as in we've played better, created more chances and should have took them. So do the same again. Go out there, play our football, create more chances, but this time take them, we'll win the game. Nice. I like it. That's that's a good point to end on, I think. Uh, you got anything uh, Anything you want to plug? I know she published a new new blog the other day. Yeah, that's a stat heavy people. Um, <laughs> if, Sheff- if Sheffield United fans want to read that, they can do. Um, I, it's on there somewhere on the timeline that disappeared over the weekend, but it's come back. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can't plug anything before a Wednesday game. It's just, yeah, that's everyone cool. just... Are you going on Thursday? Are you going on Football Heaven? Uh, it's on, fri- I'm on Friday. I've Friday, very, are you going? very kindly been invited back onto Football Heaven for anyone who uh, listened last time. Uh, I believe with some uh, members of the Wednesday podcast as well, who are very nice people from what, I'm, what I... Uh, I have met last time and uh, yeah I'm looking looking forward to that as always should be uh, should be fun but I yeah all, uh, part of I me all. does feel a bit like oh you know can I just focus on the derby in peace I want all Blades podcasters to make sure they're A listening to Football Heaven that night and B calling in and I, 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 I want you inundated with questions about nerdy stats things that they listen to us to talk about yeah that would be just, good I'll just send them your way I think just just <laughs> Just so we can get like Brian the Blade at home thinking, what on earth are these people on about? That would yeah. make my day. As long as it's not my dad ringing up, then uh, everything will be fine. <laughs> go, on, go, on, go on, Sean. I've actually not told him that I'm going on yet, so we'll see how that goes. Hopefully he doesn't listen this far into the podcast, if indeed he listens at all. Oh, no. That one that one person that's still listening, don't tell Sean. <laughs> nice one. All right, mate. Well, hopefully next time we speak... Uh, Leeds will have dropped points and United will not have dropped points and we'll have consolidated our position uh, in the top two of the table. But yeah, I mean, just to round off, I guess, uh, incredible response again to uh, that Villa meltdown. Three games, three wins, zero goals conceded, seven clean sheets in our last 10 games with makeshift defence one, two and three out there. And uh, yeah, if, if you can't be excited and optimistic i know i've just said i think we'll draw against wednesday but i'm like you i would be okay with that i think but yeah if you can't be optimistic and excited about this season then 
well, maybe football's not for you, basically, or maybe you should consider supporting a different team because Absolutely. yeah, it, it, you you don't know when it's going to get this good again. So uh, enjoy it. You don't know how long it's going to last. You don't know when it'll be this good again. Yeah, just uh, enjoy every game, basically, because this is something... There's something potentially very special happening here, and uh, yeah, let's let's see where it takes us, I suppose. But yeah, Jay, thanks, uh, thanks as always for giving up your time, mate. Check him out on at Blades Analytic on Twitter, and uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll talk to you in the week, and uh, certainly after the game itself, pal. Absolutely, come on, Blades, loud and proud. <laughs> nice one, mate. Speak to you later. See you later, mate. <laughs> 